Mate, um, <laughs> you seen what number episode it is? This is a professional <laughs> show. We are such children. If we were teenagers, we'd laugh about that. But we're not, so we won't. Running with Jake, the podcast. On this episode... Keeping things simple and having a balanced plan, being like a consistent trainer is the absolute secret to my success as an athlete. Running with Jake, the podcast. Because every runner needs the occasional plod. And here's your host, Jake Lowe. This is indeed your weekly dose of running motivation. This is episode 69. We're back. We're ready. The sun is shining. I hope it is where you are. And we are going to motivate your socks off. Another fantastic guest today. We are speaking to none other than Helen Clitheroe, ex-Olympian, GB and England athlete. It seems like she has been running for absolutely years. It's incredible. Can't wait to get into her story. That's coming up on the show a little bit later on today. But we have even more important, dare I say, than Helen on the show. We have breaking news today. This should indeed be classed as a special edition Pete, the producer of the podcast, who I can see is fumbling around on the uh, on mm-hmm. the screen here, you are wearing a rather, we'll say, nice pair of running shoes. You have finally upgraded. You have succumbed to the pressure that me and the listeners have put on your sorry ass, and you have ditched the ten plus year old Everlast boots. I'm very impressed. The Everlast Jog 2s were the best running shoes I ever had. They're the first pair of running shoes I ever had. They're from my PE kit. They are about 18, 19 years old, something like that. And they were great. I really enjoyed them. I really loved them. I found running while I was wearing them, but unfortunately they did wear through, which means that over many, 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 many years, uh, the soles became rather soulless. Um, And now I've got a new pair of shoes and the problem is, mate, I have to wear them everywhere. I'm wearing them to the supermarket. I'm wearing them around just to wear out the soles because I'm not happy with this amount of cushioning. I'm not happy with no, it. No, I don't want to be one of those people. You know the kind of people I'm talking about where you buy something and then people say, you've already bought it, you own it, you've purchased it, you've made the decision and then people are going, oh, you shouldn't have bought that. I don't know why you bought that. You should have bought this. You should have bought these. Mm. I feel like I want to say that to you because I did say to you, you got a voucher from your good lady, your wife, Becky. She bought you a voucher for your birthday. You, you were armed, ready, and I thought, this is dangerous, giving you a sports voucher, a, shop, a, a sports voucher for a shop, and you're just going to go on your own. Of course, I couldn't come up there and help you and hold your hand and shop with you. I'm just worried that you've not bought the right pair of shoes. That's what I'm saying. Seriously, I don't know anything about anything. I'm looking at those. To me, they're just like a pair of trainers. And I'm going, right, it says uh, running on the back. It says Nike running. And I'm going, right, okay, running. That's a running shoe, definitely, otherwise it wouldn't say running on it, yeah? It says, uh, since 1972. You know, that's I'm pretty much since 1972 <laughs> as well, so I'm happy with that. We, we sit... And then it says, engineered to last, yeah. Me, you, and the Everlast, the Everlast boot as well, engineered to last. I like that. And then at the end it says, just do it. And I'm going, I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> I'd rather think about it and then probably fumble into it. But just do it. I'm not so happy about that. Well, I'm, I'm going to watch with excitement to see how you get on with these new shoes. Do they smell okay? I can see you smelling there. They smell all right? You happy with that? Got that new smell? They don't smell quite as me as the Everlast did. Well, aside from you and your new shoes, it has been an awesome weekend of running. Kipchoge in the Netherlands absolutely smashed the marathon, returned to winning ways. I can't believe, I still can't believe he lost in London. 
the first race that he lost in seven years. He's back now, ready, prepared for the Tokyo Olympics. That's really exciting. And locally, my runners, I'm so, so impressed. I've got to give a shout-out to Francis first and foremost, who ran a 5k time trial and he got a personal best. Really hard time trials, you know, it's just you against the clock, you've not surrounded by other people. We had Gary down in Devon who did a half marathon, it was actually postponed, but he went and did it anyway, which was just incredible, finished in one piece, loved it. And then Sarah smashed a 10k PB by, get this, three and a half minutes. That is is incredible wow. that's, wow. Ma- that's a massive margin as part of that she actually got a 30 second pb in a 5k as part of the 10k she ran like many people in mallory park 10k on sunday which was really popular super flat super fast there's a few people that were a bit anxious about the whole lap thing because you've got to look, run laps of the track which for some people is a bit of a you know a mental kind of block but it does lend itself nicely and the conditions to a really fast room that was amazing but her dad and i'm sure she won't mind me telling you her dad is 70 years old right he ran 41 41 41 minutes and 41 seconds for 10k and he's 70 wow i mean that's seriously impressive it is impressive and i think it's proof that you don't start to slow down particularly as you get older do you i mean of course you start to slow down to some extent but but um you know running is about longevity and it's about it's about continuing to do this uh, until until we're very old well it's exactly like our guest today helen clitheroe who was competing at such a high level into her 40s. I mean, that's amazing to be Mm. at that level and a track athlete as well because running on the track is something I know you've never done, Pete, but it is brutal. There's a lot of force that goes through the body and to be able to have that resilience and that longevity, as you mentioned, is, is really amazing. So really looking forward to speaking to Helen on the show today. For the show notes and video content, go to runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast. Running with Jake, the podcast. Today's guest, we're speaking with Helen Clitheroe, ex-GB in England, athlete, super all-round athlete, now running coach, doing lots of great stuff with England Athletics. Awful with technology, it appears. We did have a few issues. But very good with my diary. (laughs) Oh, no! Yes. No! There was a situation last week where Jake screwed up. We missed the the interview. So sorry, Helen. So sorry. It's fine. It's fine. I'm sorry, too. I'm sorry, too. (laughs) It's okay. Helen, it is lovely to talk to you. Thanks for having me. So, come on then. We have to ask everybody this question. How's things going for you with lockdown? What are you getting involved in? I see you popping up doing lots of great stuff with England Athletics. Obviously, can't really meet up at the moment. We can meet up a bit. How are you spending your time? What's going on? Um, Well, I've actually still been working throughout the last lockdown. Um, I work at Leeds Beckett University at the Talent Hub, which is a new, well, newish project that's sort of through England Athletics, London Marathon, Pass um, and British Athletics. Um, so yeah, there's been some elite athletes training there who've been allowed to still train. So we've had a few athletes allowed to train on the track throughout this like last lockdown. So I work there two days a week. So that's been quite nice because it's been a bit of normality, even though it's not been normal. Um, as in, it's usually really really busy, and we've had l- less athletes. But it's nice to have a bit of structure and. Um, 
Yeah, so I do that and I've been working from home the rest of the time. I do personal training, so I've been sat in my garage with my laptop <laughs> doing personal training as well. Um, but yeah, so it's been, you know, I still feel, feel like I've kept quite busy, so I've been quite lucky. I see myself as one of the lucky people that I've not just been stuck in my house 24-7. We talk about this a lot, you know, people must feel pretty kind of disconnected at the moment. There are many, many people out there kind of longing for some company and a bit of interaction and we're all craving it. But yeah, you, you've got to kind of count your blessings a little bit, haven't you, when you're able to still keep busy. And I, I don't know about you, Helen, but I found, I mean, a lot of what I do is remote. We're speaking now remotely, obviously. I found that you can still build really strong, meaningful relationships with the people and work on your communication skills, even though you're not kind of face to face. It's not quite the same, but I do think there's some benefit in in working on that as a skill do you find this as a coach yeah I mean as a coach anyway I have quite a lot of athletes that I coach from a distance so it's something that I'm quite used to so which I guess some coaches it's a new thing that they're not seeing the athletes on a weekly or you know two three times a week basis but for me with some of the athletes that I coach that's quite normal that we we don't see each other on a regular basis. I'm setting a training plan, we're speaking, we're communicating. So then things that are really, really important with them, athletes have had to become the same with athletes who are used to seeing me or the other coaches. So for me, that wasn't too hard because it's something I sort of already did. But yeah, you're right. I think um, it sort of highlights how the communication side of being a coach and coaching is really, really important. Um, and so many things that you can miss when you're not seeing someone in person because if you're asking an athlete to just sort of you know tell me what times you ran for this you know this rep um you could run a time and it you know feels like hell on earth or you could run a time and you're floating <laughs> along and it's it's an absolute breeze and that you know but you've run that time you know so there's you don't see that if you're not there I use Training Peaks, so you get quite a lot of data and stats from that. So that's one thing thing I use. I, I, I like uh, looking at heart rates, things like that. So there's things that you, like metrics that you can look at as a coach that help help you see the picture. But it's there's nothing quite like being there in person. Yeah, it's not the full story, is it? it like I use Training Peaks myself, and you get all this great, wonderful data. And particularly if you're into that kind of stuff, it's it's awesome to see. But there's a there's a quite a significant piece of the jigsaw missing, which is that communication from the athlete themselves from the runner you know how did it feel were you feeling a bit rubbish that day we can't yeah. tell if you were stressed out from work just from looking at your heart rate and you know your pace and all these kinds of things so yeah, yeah. it's getting the full story isn't it who yeah. do you get the most enjoyment out of in terms of group like groups of people helen who do you enjoy training in terms of their kind of goals i guess is what i'm asking obviously competing at the level you did do you get more joy out of working with kind of, you know, really top-end athletes or more recreational level? Where do, where do you pitch it? Um, I've done a bit of everything over the years, sort of, in, as I've sort of got into coaching more. I, my goal has always been to coach at performance level. I think that's where my expertise is from my athletics background, being an athlete myself. So it's sort of fits well with my sort of knowledge and that sort of thing but I, I also really enjoy working with anyone I think that's the beauty of running it's like doesn't matter what level you're at you know if you're training hard you appreciate that that person is pushing themselves to their you know to that that level and achieving a goal um, and it doesn't really matter as long as somebody's prepared to sort of work hard then that that's fine by me. I've, I've done quite a few things with like a local Couch to 5K group. Um, 
in Lytham and that you know I absolutely love doing that it's just like one of my friends is a you know runs that group so I used to go as a guest coach you know on a regular basis in fact before uh, that was probably the last group thing that I did was we did a I think it was like the sports relief mile or something to do with sports relief like the year before (laughs) and I was like that came up on the pictures it was like the last group thing I did before like the main lockdown I was like wow (laughs) so yeah I enjoy doing that as well but yeah I ultimately um as a coach one of my goals is to sort of um work with performance athletes and get athletes to sort of GB level um and competing at, at the highest level that's my goal um as a coach um, so that's why I sort of pursued that sort of um, line of work, I suppose, as well as doing, you know, my own thing with the PT and stuff. I find it fascinating, you know, when going from uh, elite athlete, full-time athlete, you know, competing at the level you did to going into coaching. Was that a natural transition for you? Was it something that was always kind of on the radar towards the back end of your career? Or um, did you kind of just think afterwards, right, what do I, what do, I do now? Yeah, I suppose it was. I've always sort of worked in sport and I've worked in leisure centres and coaching, you know, just like enjoyed being in a sports and leisure environment throughout my, you know, before I was a professional athlete, that's what I did. Um, So I get, and yeah, when I was competing full time, I did my coaching qualification. So quite a long time ago, um, I think it was probably about 2000 and five or six I can't remember but it was around then sort of um I did it me and Jenny Meadows actually did our coaching qualification at the same time um and I just thought it was something that was good to have in my back pocket for when you know I just thought that I would probably go into coaching um you know as a volunteer coach at a club um which is what I have been doing prior to getting this job um and still do volunteer coaching um yeah, so I guess it was a little bit organic in that I was, my coach at the time was in Loughborough and I live in Preston. So a lot of my training I did at home with my group at, at Preston Harriers. So there's a lot of guys that I'd be like, this is what I am doing. Do you want to do this session? So I'd got like sort of had a group <laughs> around me that would train uh, with me um, pretty much doing what I was doing. And then it kept, there was a couple of lads in the group who, it became well there was one guy actually who used to he ran for GB as a junior so he was a really good athlete but he'd had a lot of um injury problems and gone away from the sport for a while I bumped into him on a run and I was like I'll come down training so he came down started getting back into his training again and I could soon see that he was he he needed it to be sort of individualized for him and tweaked so I started I said you know I'm going to write you a plan and that's how it started that was with a, a guy called Chris Livesey so I started coaching him first and then yeah, I, I got approached by a girl, you know, so I've never coached massive numbers, um, sort of in terms of athletics coaching, um, got approached by a girl to coach her and then just a few others. And then obviously with this job now, it's a bit of a different coaching role in the, um, so I do set sessions for people and I'm there for sessions, but also part of the job is that we're sort of supporting coach athlete pairs so if athletes are at uni in Leeds or living in that area, they don't necessarily have to be coached by myself or Andy Henderson, who I work with, um, but we can support them to stay with their coach at home while they're at uni. So that's a di- slightly different um, thing to that I'm doing now. But yeah, I guess that sort of journey was just sort of, it just sort of happened and I think when I gave, when I sort of retired from sort of competing 
um, at a higher level. It really helped me um, transition from that sort of part of my life to sort of non non-professional athlete part of my life um because I guess I still had the structure of going to training and I actually still ran quite a lot um you know paced to one of the girls quite often in sessions stuff like that um so I still was running you know still was my structure was still quite the same even though I wasn't sort of aiming for a major champs or competing at all um so yeah I guess it, it really helped me actually um starting coaching and it's just I can't imagine not being part um, not being in some way involved in athletics I really appreciate you sharing that and giving us a, a background there Helen because it would be such a shame just from talking to you and from what I do know of you through England athletics kind of coaching stuff that I you know some of the webinars I jump on and things if you kept all this knowledge and experience that you have to yourself in your head the fact that you're sharing it with other others and helping other people on their own journey, I think is awesome because that would be a real waste if, if if I can say that to you. So it's awesome that you're still involved in coaching and helping others. Was retirement something that was quite easy to, to, to accept? Yeah, I suppose I'm lucky in that, you know, I had a really long career and so the last track champs I did, I was 40 and that was a come off games in Glasgow and I, as soon as I walked, it was a bit of a disappointing chance for me. As soon as I walked off the track that day, I thought, yeah, that's, I'm done on the track. But I didn't, I still ran some road races for the next couple of years, but I didn't, in my head, like, I was a track runner, first and foremost, that was like my thing. And I wasn't doing it, I, I was still, so I was still probably training pretty similar sort of amount, um, but I was retired from that level of running in my head. My husband always used to say to me, you know, the time, the dark days when you're sort of <laughs> thinking, why am I doing this to myself if things aren't going so well or, or whatever? But like, yeah, don't, don't finish until you're ready. You're a long time finished. Um, so that always so used to sort of, I used to, I used to have that in my head. Um, and I was, I, I definitely am one of the lucky athletes that was able to sort of decide that's, that's me done. I've never been sad that I did that. I've never thought, oh, I wish I'd carried on or, and even, that, you know, I went to, um, like, the British Champs the following year, you know, the trials um, for the track um, with my sister, and I thought, I didn't at all think, oh, God, I wish I was on the track. <laughs> I was like, oh, this, this is nice. So, you know... Like a chill. Yeah, it was quite nice. Um, yeah, so I've never really felt, like, je- jealous. I do miss um, the lifestyle, the sort of structure of the day you know my life just being completely about sort of training and everything around it and sort of how how I made that work and like going away on training camps and things like that. I miss that that I really really do I, I do miss you know you miss the buzz of competing but I only found that this out a few years ago through uh, Ian Hodges a statistician for British Athletics I, I ran for Great Britain 53 times um, which wow. is which is mental. I can't get my head around it, you know. Because I did cross country, uh, I did the World Cross eight times. I did the European Cross maybe like I'm not even sure nine nine or ten times. Indoors, um, World Champs, Olympics. Some athletes get one chance to run for Great Britain, and I did it fifty three times. You know, so I know I'm really really lucky, and I'm dead grateful for that. And I don't, you know, so I'd never sort of think, oh. I think I think like I was lucky in that my last few years I had some real, real fun times and some really good success, and I, it was almost like I could close that chapter. It was like um, so I won um, the European three thousand meter title. I was age thirty seven, 
Um, you know, it's quite unheard of, really, for somebody in the late thirties to do a mid, you know middle distance sort of track tramps and do so well. And um, I think that was a, a bit of closure, really, because I'd been sort of like almost girl so often in competitions. You know, I'd I think I was fourth twice at the Commonwealth, fourth twice at the Euro indoors before that that win. You know, so. You know, there was a lot of things that I, I, you know, I've had some amazing experiences, but yeah, I feel like I was quite satisfied with what I'd done and I felt I'd sort of done my best. So it was quite easy Mm. to move on. You mentioned being one of the lucky athletes. Do you mean because you were able to make the decision of retiring versus somebody that is forced to because of injury? I mean, I guess it was a, a... uh, uh, a diminishing performance where you came off the track and you said, right, I'm, I'm done. If it, correct me if I'm wrong in that, yeah. Helen. Whereas some athletes are forced out of the game because of injury. Is that why you clash yourself as lucky in that? Yeah, respect? that's exactly what I mean. You know, there's so many of uh, my friends over the years have sort of, it's almost like the decision's taken away from them. It's like injury or a number of years of sort of injury or ill health or whatever that's sort of made it like it's just not viable to be a professional athlete because you actually have to try and earn a living from doing that to justify doing it um you know so yeah the fact that I felt that I made a decision myself it wasn't sort of because of injury or because of ill health it was because I I was ready to wrap up Uh, I see that as being quite lucky that I had that choice or it wasn't just because I I failed to make teams or whatever you know it was because I just thought right yeah that's enough (laughs) Yeah, and, and, and you know that's that's got to be a better way to 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 call it a day on things. And I'm thinking here when I, as I listen to you because you, it's not like it's it's harder. I imagine to think, oh, what if? Because you made the decision and and the performance was wasn't what it was, which you would expect. I mean, look at what you did achieve in in in, in the later years as a as an as an elite athlete. Whereas if you were injured and you're forced out of it because of that, it might be a lot easier to kind of sit there on a Saturday evening and think, oh, what if I didn't have that hamstring injury? What what yeah. potential did I have to, you know, you want to be able to realise your potential, you don't you? And that, and that think- is definitely, like, what if is one of the things I've sort of lived my life by. So I was like, I'd never want you to think, what if I'd not tried, you know, gone on a training camp or what if I'd not tried a different discipline in athletics you know as you I don't know if you know I've did loads of different disciplines I sort of started off as a 1500 meter runner then I did the 3000 meter steeplechase and 5k on the track 10k on the track road running half marathon you know so you know I never like the steeplechase one was the biggest the craziest thing I honestly can't believe I did that event um it was never something I considered ever but it was like an opportunity <laughs> and I was like oh well I don't want to think what if I hadn't tried it you know and I went to the Olympics for, for, the, for the steeplechase and I was a British record holder so it's like you know if I'd not tried it that would I maybe would have wrapped up my career a little bit sooner but that doing that event gave me another Olympics and then it gave me uh, the thought that maybe I could move up to five and ten k and that gave me the last few years of my career where I had some really, really amazing um, memories and performances. Um, so, yeah, like that, exactly what you said, you know, not not wanting to think, what if I'd done this? What if I'd done that? So, come on, you've represented the country 50 plus times. You've ran all these different distances. You just had a go at everything. There's people listening to this thinking, what is your secret? How do you retire at 40 years on the track? How did you have such a long career, Helen? What's your secret? Do share it with us. Is it just luck? 
Is it a resilience? Is it genetics? Um, is it smart training? Is it good moisturiser? I want to know. Just tell it, me what it is. It's probably all, all of them things. <laughs> um, <laughs> number one, I I'd always did athletics. I started off, uh, running when I was age eleven, but I never like overtrained. I wasn't anyone who would have been a standout performer. I was a county level runner, so you know, decent runner, but you know. I went to English schools, for example, which is track and field champs um, for 800 metres and I never ever made the final. I made that competition twice, never made the final, you know. So a lot of athletes who do well um, as a senior, you know, they've done well as a junior. So I, I, I wasn't that person. Um, I My first GB vest, I was 24, senior vest. So I think, so number one, I don't think I like overtrained as a kid. I was sort of, I did my running, I enjoyed it, had fun. But, you know, if you ask me how many miles I ran a week when I was 17 years old, I wouldn't have a clue. No idea. Um, so it was only sort of like when I was 19, 20, 21, I started sort of thinking a little bit more about how we should train and speak, you know, not just sort of rocking up at the Harriers and jumping in whatever session was going on. You know, it's a little bit more planned. So I think that's one thing. I I, I was a, maybe young in, in running years when I started doing better at, you know, that level of athletics. Um, I think I'm quite robust. I always sort of, because as I mentioned, I've always sort of had an interest in sort of fitness and stuff like that. So always sort of kept, you know, even as a youngster, I like did circuits and went to the gym and feel like that the gym, you know, the strength and conditioning side of my training as I sort of went through athletics was quite important. Um, and played to my strengths, uh, the, you know, the strengths of like my my physique. Um, so that I think that made me quite resilient and robust. I didn't get injured very often. Had hardly any injuries. Um, so that was one thing. Um, just being like keeping things simple and having a balanced plan. Being like a consistent trainer is the absolute secret to my success as an athlete. Um, I often tell this story like what the year I ran my 1500 PB which was 401 I've looked back in that diary so many times especially now I'm coaching I sort of have a flick through like oh you know just for sort of what what do to do then and how you know and honestly you know you sort of now everyone shares everything on social media and stuff which obviously that wasn't happening back then but you know it's PB sessions and oh I did a you know and there was nothing no PB you know there's nothing outstanding in that diary it was but I didn't miss a, I didn't miss a beat, you know, I, I did everything that was set. I did, you know, it was just like solid training. And I think that, that was for me, what I was good at. I was good, good at training, good at sort of keeping my body in one piece and getting blocks of training in that massively led to my sort of longevity, I suppose. I think loving what I did was massively you know, if you, do, if you don't enjoy it, there's absolutely no point. And I think that's one thing you were saying, like there's some athletes that, they, they retire and you never hear of again and maybe they don't love running as much as a lot of runners <laughs> out there you know um so yeah I think there's there's a few things but yeah it's looking after yourself having balanced program and not not overdoing it but making sure you can sort of consistently train are the sort of main parts I would say I, I just wrote down what you put there or you said there solid training because I think for a lot of people when they hear that term because it, it is used quite a lot solid training that doesn't mean you go out and smash yourself every session. That's not what solid training is. It's that consistency you're talking about. It was solid because there was minimal breaks in your mm. training, in that diary, that old paper diary that you've got. Because 
you were able to just keep yourself in one piece. And then it's that session after session, mile after mile, effort after effort, heartbeat after heartbeat. And all those add up, don't they? That is that cumulative effect. Yeah. And that's like, you know, I obviously had a really good coach who knew how to write my program that suited me and that, that he knew I could handle you know, I have him to thank really that, you know, he sort of planned my training and it was balancing it, there was recovery in it, there's, ev- you know, everything that we had to fit in was fit in. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, that's having a coach to sort of pull you back sometimes when you're training hard is and sort of stop you making mistakes, keeping a lid on things, you know, pulling you out of a rep when you're like having an amazing session saying, that'll do, you know. <laughs> You would never do that. You would never choose to do and that as hard, a runner. Isn't it? Yeah, that's... you would never do it. You just like you want if it's written down on a piece of paper, you're doing that and you want to hit every split and or you know, you want to get everything perfect. But sometimes my coach would say, Nah, that'll do, or we'll change that today. We don't need to do that because I think you're ready, you know, that sort of thing. So, you know, having the trust in a, a coach is is really important. What's your thoughts on listening to the body? I sense that you're very in tune with your own body, okay, in terms of training and stuff, and you know your strengths. So, it, first of all, is that is that, have I got that right? And secondly, what does listen to the body really mean? And what sort of practical thoughts have you got on how people can do that? Because we hear it a lot, don't we? Oh, listen to the body and let that guide you. I think it's really important um, as an athlete, especially if you're, you know, competing at a high level or training a lot, you know, training for a marathon, for example, where you're doing a lot of volume, you know, if you don't know some tricks to how to sort of respond to your body, then you, you could come unstuck quite quickly. So I'd say... There's lots of things I've learned over the years as an athlete and, and now as a coach that I sort of ask, ask athletes to do. One is I quite I like sort of taking a resting morning heart rate just to sort of get what's normal and then you can just pick up on things like if a cold if you're getting a cold or something and you can just back off before you get to that point where you have to take three weeks off because you've trained through something that's, you know... Um, so athletes never like resting but sort of you know trying to sort of nip things in the bud because you're aware of what's going on in your body Um, I coach a girl at the minute who's come back from glandular fever and that's been a massive part of 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 the way we've brought her back is you know her getting to know what's going on in her body and you know so that sort of thing is is really important so just knowing your heart rate um, I'd say like from Early on when I started running for GB, I, like the first time I went to um, a competition, I'd never been to a physio or had a sports massage, you know. And so I, like, I thought, all oh, right, I didn't have one there because I thought, oh, I don't want to change anything now. But just having a regular massage so that you know what your body feels like. And I know this, you know, these things are investments in yourself. So if you're prepared to go and spend 200 plus pounds on a pair of trainers, maybe it's a good idea to spend 200 pounds having a few massages over a period of months so that you can keep your body in one piece. Um, you know, so just getting to know what my body should would feel like um, and when it, you know, if it was pick up on anything before it became a problem, that would be something. So, yeah, and just noting things in my training diary, how I'm feeling, when you look back, at, at see what's gone wrong, you can sort of think, actually, I, know, I said I was tired that day, that happened that sort of thing so yeah just noting all these little things that can really make a difference um in listening to your body and i think that's a real skill of of being a good athlete is sort of being in tune with that and reacting and not just sort of 
sticking your head in the sand when things aren't going well, just reacting and sort of respecting your body that you do sometimes need to step back a little bit. What's your thoughts on cross-training, Helen? For longevity, to be able to keep training for the long term and keep running for yeah. the long term, is that something you think should, people should consider? Definitely. Um, obviously, most runners like running, and if everybody had the choice as a runner, they would probably do all their training in running. But I think it's not always the smart choice. Um, I mainly ran when I was an athlete unless I was injured and then I did lots of cross training before I started doing well I did swim a lot and I never really thought of it as training I just like go and swim for a mile and then I do my run so I was like probably double daying without even really knowing that I was double daying now I you know I've got a walk bike train a lot on that athletes I coach use cross training quite a lot I coach a marathon runner who has had a few injury issues and she bikes a lot now so we're probably let's say she would would have been running 80 miles in marathon training she would now probably be running 50 60 miles and the rest would be on the bike and we're having good results already um you know just coming off the back of a, a build a build up now not we're not in marathon training at the minute but I think it, we just know we have to try this so I think for some athletes it, you know it, it I think there's more and more evidence to show that it's uh, it's worth it. I mean, I work at Leeds and that's where Beth Potter trains, who's obviously just absolutely smashed out a 5K road time last yeah. week. And, um, you know, I, I used to train with Beth when she was training at Loughborough as an athlete. And now she's, you know, she's so strong and robust. Uh, you know, she cycles, she swims and runs, obviously. She doesn't run that much. She doesn't run that much. All her running's quite quality. She's so strong, so it's just like, it's... It, as a coach, it's really interesting because it's sort of opening my eyes to something I probably knew. And, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, well, I did do that myself at time to time. Um, but now having some athletes that I, I actually work with that um, are having really good success from using cross-training um, is definitely something that I am going to look into more, I think, and try and ed- educate myself on. Helen, it's been awesome to chat to you. I could talk to you all day about running. It's been amazing. Uh, no thank you very much for your time. I cannot let you go without asking you one killer question. Oh, no. Do you know I'm about nervous. this question? You... I don't. <laughs> Ooh. Nobody's given you a heads up. Did no. you not get the email? Oh, no. This is terrible. This oh, is no. terrible. So we have one final question for you. This has been a great chat. Do not let us down. No pressure. Do you know, some of the so... strongest guests, they bail at this point. It all goes wrong at this point. Uh, this is a high-stress <laughs> moment. <laughs> this is why Jake leaves it until last because this, this is, is a right. deep deep question <laughs> Helen will have some kind of like technological problem in a moment I'll tell you the signal will go or something she'll disappear so we're building this up it's not that scary honestly but this is the Running With Jake podcast it's your weekly dose of running motivation we like to ask all our guests this question what does the word motivation what does that mean to you? oh I suppose it's just that for me, as a runner, it would be the buzz to get out of the door and do something that makes me feel better and to improve what I'm doing, even now. Find the buzz. <laughs> Got to find the buzz. Even now, I'm a, even now I'm a treadmill addict. I'm a swift addict. Oh, no, are you? <laughs> <laughs> wow. But that's wow. my new motivation. It's, yeah. <laughs> There's always something that can motivate you. <laughs> Oh, you uh, you had everybody until you mentioned treadmill, and they're like, oh, my gosh, Helen, clear the road. On the treadmill. I know, I can't believe it myself. 
Helen, it's been awesome to chat to you. Have a great rest of the day. Speak Thank to you. you soon. Thanks a lot. Running with Jake, the podcast, your weekly dose of running motivation, out every Wednesday. Never miss an episode by subscribing now. Do you know what really stood out for me with that chat with Helen? Mm. Not just about her running and her Olympics and her history and all that, and all the amazing achievements that she's had throughout her career, but where she is now and how she's shifted the focus to her coaching and what she gets out of that. I could really relate to that. I mean, I've never done anything like Helen and on a track and competing and all that sort of stuff. I just run for me. Mm. But it's amazing how when you have somebody else and the responsibility of looking after another person, how much you get from that personally. It's like with Helen, you know, she's running into her later years and obviously at that level, 40 is not old, of course, but at that level, it's perceived as you're an older athlete to be on the track and stuff. But it just goes to show that you can run for the long term, but it's 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 being able to navigate that path so that you can run for the long term. Does that make sense? Rather than, it's very easy when you sign up for an event. I get this with a lot of people that speak to me or reach out to me for coaching through the podcast, some of our listeners, and they're interested in training for an event. Makes sense. But actually, as a coach, you want to think beyond that. You want to take them beyond that because it's not just about, oh, you've done that event, now you're injured, now you hate running, now this. It's let's keep you running for the long term, healthy for life. That's what it's about. Love that. Running, I suppose, in some ways, is quite an almost selfish thing because it's all about you. Do you know what I mean? But then to make that shift and to, as a coach, to become a coach, so to go from a runner and it's all about you and all about your performance and all about what you can do to then uh, coaching and looking after other people, that's a really big shift I guess isn't it you know well if you remember when we spoke to Josh Schofield who's also a running coach on the show the other week he was saying that he sort of shelved his own running he still runs mm. he's into cricket and stuff but he's focused more on other people now because he found it hard to strike that balance he's out there doing physical sessions running with people he's delivering sessions he's living and breathing other people's running it's hard then to have that focus on yourself I, I, we may have touched on this before on the show and it is a difficult thing I, me personally I still want to run I've still got Manchester Marathon I've got various targets but you've just got to keep yourself in check and find that balance not always so easy so you're dead right it can be a relatively selfish endeavour and in many respects it should be to be able to achieve these goals but as a coach you've just got to get that balance right but first and foremost it's about helping my runners simple as that really and making sure that they achieve what they've set out to achieve because I get so much joy from that and I think lots of coaches who are yeah. perhaps listening to this show now will also be able to relate we get uh, emails by the way uh, podcast at runningwithjake.com you saw that one the other day from that fella who just said hey how do I get involved in uh, in coaching and how do I be coached by Jake well the fact is that you can do that you know you listen to the podcast and it sounds like Jake is a m- million miles away from you because he's talking directly into your ears but you can get in touch and um you know you, you can you can either be coached by jake directly or you get more advice from us like that other one we get loads of emails at the moment actually the, the other guy who just wanted a recipe he did richard so it's like, yes. you know, we, we, this is this this sounds like a really woo woo sort of thing to say but it's not just a show where jake's talking and giving advice and stuff it's like a community that we've built here and it's 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 really great so you can get in touch uh plus podcast at runningwithjake.com or you can check out the notes page as well which is where you'll find all the recipes all the notes all the details all the stuff about each and every episode that we've done so far and if you want to pay us some money as well you can by clicking on the patreon <laughs> but you don't have to uh, i just thought i'd get that in there but the uh, the notes page is runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast answering your questions it is hashtag ask jake steve has asked if i'm following a training plan and i'm forced to miss sessions do I put them into the following week 
or do I let them go? Generally speaking, my advice is not to play catch-up. Avoid playing catch-up at all costs. Meaning, if you miss sessions, oh no, I've missed them, I want to tick all these sessions off on this plan I'm following, I'll just shoehorn them into the following week. That can be way too stressful for the body. If you're missing a few days, a day here and there, anything really up to a a week doesn't really matter. It's not going to have a huge impact on your training. And in most cases, obviously subject to the plan, in most cases you can pretty much just pick the plan up the following week without having to make any adaptations or changes. If it's kind of more than that and you're missing quite a lot of sessions, then there are definitely changes that need making to the training plan you're following. And that's why I always advise that plans should be adaptable and you should not necessarily try to stick to it rigidly and think, right, from the outset, I'm going to I'm going to tick off all of these sessions because it's highly unlikely because life gets in the way, injury gets in the way, illness, motivation, all of these different things. So you've got to be adaptable and the plan needs to stay fluid. But in essence, I wouldn't shoehorn sessions into the following week, play catch up. And if you've missed anything up to a week, I think you can pretty much let it go and maybe just feel your way slowly and gently into the following week of sessions to make sure there's no niggles that may appear. I hope that helps. Good luck with your training. If you've got a question, it's hashtag AskJake or you can drop us an email at podcast at runningwithjake.com That brings us to the end of episode 69. Have a fantastic week of running. Go and smash those goals. We will be back here next week for another weekly dose of running motivation. Hopefully by then I will be able to speak in full sentences. Have a great week. Speak to you soon. Oh, and one more thing. If you really want something, then you will make time. If you don't, then the only thing you will make are excuses. Excuses.